when a kid is shown how to create what he wants in his life, to think about it and create, and one of the tactics, like I said, is the Play-Doh, uh, just as a model of it, then they, you tend to have to do less discipline. Welcome to the Close Quarter Dad podcast, discussions about raising your kids with confidence, safety, and resilience. I'm your host, Adam Mitchell, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey there, I want to welcome you back to this next episode of Close Quarter Dad. Today I'm here with my friend Scott Feld. Scott's an international bestseller of his books, Dax to the Max, uh, which is an incredible book, uh, specifically for younger children, you know, between three to seven years old, but I think more important for parents. Uh, he's a team builder, he's an entertainer, and uh, he is the founder of Mind Zen Motion, which we're going to get into because uh, there's a lot of very, very interesting things in there. Now, on this episode, Scott and I are going to be stepping specifically into the area of tools and the techniques that he's used in his programs, that he's written about in his books, the work that he does in his coaching. And these are all, um, these are all going to be ideas and inspirations that you'll be able to employ in the engagements that you have with your children, whether it be in training them, working with them, spending time with them uh, on the topics of personal protection and safety and building their confidence. So there's a lot of overlap here that, uh, that I, I know Scott and I are going to enjoy in this conversation, but I am personally really excited to be inspired by uh, some of the tactics here that he uses in his work. So before we go any further, Scott, I just want to thank you, first of all, uh, for the work that you're doing uh, and inspiring and expanding parents, uh, helping them to do their job to raise that next generation and giving them some of those tools, um, first of all. And then I want to welcome you to Close Quarter Dad. Thank you so much, Adam. I'm glad to be here. And uh, you're welcome. I love doing it. And I'm excited to be able to talk about some of my favorite topics here with uh, with you. Um, on the same page of what we're trying to do for kids as dads and all of your listeners. So thank you. Great. Scott, I want to just like, let's go right to the throat here, man. I want you to talk to me <laughs> about a child's inner powers. And there's a lot here to unpack, but if we could start at the macro and then really zoom in on what you mean when you talk about inner powers, what made you uh, as a parent, discover, like, what is that, what did that journey look like to see that, hey, you know what, these kids have inner powers, and they don't see them, and they need to be brought out, and how is that going to guide those children, and what are the steps that we as parents need to do to identify those powers, and then I'm sure that, yeah, I think those questions that I've just asked in and of themselves, we can write a couple books on, right? Um, right. But like, I really want to step into what you mean by inner powers with children, because I have my idea and I know you have yours and I'm really excited about this. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, inner powers, first of all, it's just, first of all, showing kids, making them aware, we're all familiar with awareness, seeing something that we haven't seen before so we can use it if we've never been able to use it before to get maybe what we haven't gotten before. We didn't know how to get it to be who we haven't been able to be before. Mm. So it opens up a big, vast door, right? Now I call mine the keys to unlocking your inner superpowers. I don't even just call them powers. Let's make them superpowers because that's what they truly are. When you become aware of them and then you start learning how to use them correctly, you really do have a superpower. Um, one of my mentors, um, Vishen Lakiani, who owns Mind Valley, calls it bending reality. It's almost like you can make things go the way that you want them to go. And now you're causing life. You're not at the effect of life. And a lot of kids, teens, adults, everybody feels like they're at the effect of life. And life just comes onto their shoulders. Things happen and they just have to deal with it. Every day they wake up to their problems, their have tos. And before their feet even touch the floor, they're exhausted and worried and stressed, but nothing's happened yet. They're just carrying those thoughts with them. And it's because they don't know any other way. Now, most kids are like I was. My parents did exactly that and then passed it on to me. 
you know, here you go. Just like, you know, the shape of the nose or any other genetic thing. It was like, here, take this with you. And I just visited my parents, got back yesterday, and it's it's still there, right? They're in their 80s. And it just shows up like, here's the problems of the world. And I remember even saying to my mom as we were leaving, there was something going on with the luggage. And I go, mom, we have to solution think, not problem think. Because she was like, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's mm. the problem. And I was like, here's the solution. Let's go there. Right? And it just reminds me of, you know, if you want it to be light, that's the goal. You don't just keep thinking of the dark. Oh, it's so dark. Oh, the darkness. Oh, I wish it wasn't dark. No, no, no. You go find light, mom or whoever, right? And this is what I like to show the kids is that they're carrying with them something they don't have to carry with them. So what what do they do? What's the solution? Well, it's not looking outside like they think it is. It's not if I get this, when I get this, if only this were to happen, those people would be nicer, that teacher would be easier, I got that new car, right? My parents would allow me to do these things. If only that would happen, then I would be happy. But it never happens that way. If they are able to get those things from the outside, it, they have short memory. Now it's, okay, if only I had this thing, that thing. And you're constantly chasing this dangling carrot. And they don't even realize it because it's invisible to them. That's the only experience they know how to have. So we can wake them up. We can snap them in to a, a new reality, a new way to think, right? And we can start it out with, look, there's things you don't know, and you don't even know you don't know them. They're blind spots to you. So just be open to some new ideas coming your way. And I like to tell the kids, I'm like the clothing store. You come to me, you try things on. Some of them are going to fit perfectly. These are the ideas, yeah. right, that I share. And you're going to be able to use them right away. And you're going to feel better because you look better or whatever. And they go, okay. And I go, and some things aren't going to fit, at least for now. But don't just discard them. Don't just throw them away. Go ahead and just take them. Put them in your closet. Because you might have a moment, you probably will, where you're going to have an occasion to wear that. That's going to work. That idea is going to fit at that moment. So that's how we sort of open it. Give them that, okay. Let's be open to new ideas. There's things that we don't know, which for me, when I was a teen, I, if I had just gotten that succinctly sent to me, I think it would have made a difference. Instead, it was just more like, you know, you don't know everything. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what do I do? Yeah. So let me, let, me, <laughs> let me pump the brakes here for a second, Scott. This is, this is really okay. interesting. So we're, you're, you're suggesting here that we take on a more solution-based, and maybe, maybe I'm hearing not all the time, but certainly in, in situations where our child is feeling distressed or we're trying to work with them through a problem. And if we're able to skate to where the puck's going uh, and we are able to see the challenge that they are about to face, that, in, you know, that we become more solution-based. In your work, you talk about um, going beyond circumstances and challenges. And I'd like to maybe back into that a little bit because this is what I'm hearing. I think we're kind of building up. It sounds like anyways that we're building up to that. But I really like uh, how you kind of tied in your own background there. And you're saying, you know, if someone had, had actually done this and said, instead of giving me the negative outcome and saying, why are you doing this because, or this is going to happen because, or you're doing this wrong, instead sort of reframing that a bit and having it be solution-oriented and offering up some of the solutions that you may not have even known existed and saying, let's hold on a second, yeah. hold on a second, Scott. Have you considered that? Or there are some possibilities here that I don't think you see. Would it be okay if I shared those possibilities with you? And of course, everybody's going to be like, yeah, yeah. And, would you, and, that, and this is where we open up the conversation of going beyond the circumstances and challenges. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Well, if we can first get them to just accept to try on that there's things they don't know, they don't know that there are blind spots out there. And now we have sort of an open door to do what you just said. Can I share some mm, new possibilities with I see. you? Some things that I see that maybe you don't quite see yet. And if that's always the base to go to, and that's why I start with that, 
then we can, if they're like, no, 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 I don't want to know. And I go, remember, you know, there's things you can't see and you don't have to even wear the idea. You don't have to accept it. Just check it out. See, see if it might work for you. And we actually start getting them in the habit repetitively that they're doing that. They're now able to go, okay, somebody else has another view or another possibility. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. And it doesn't even mean I have to believe or accept it. All I'm going to do is look at it and see if it works out better for me. And then that gives them the power. We're not telling them what to do. We're not telling them how they should be, what they should believe. We're sharing with them ideas and allowing them from the inside out, inner power, to decide, does this work for me? And we can go deeper and we can say, if you were to accept this idea, what do you see from where you are right now? What do you see the result might be? And if you were to go down this other path, this way that maybe you only see right now, which is fine, what do you like see might happen? And which result looks better to you? Like if you drive this way and you end up, you know, in the desert and you go this way and you end up, you know, in this beautiful ocean, you know, where do you want to be? Like which, which location seems better to you for what you're up to in life, which gets us to, we got to be up to something in life. <laughs> and that's always a bit of a problem for the teens and tweens because they're not shown how to be up to something from the inside out. So Yeah, so it sounds like to me you're suggesting a really cool sort of uh, model here where you're giving them ownership internally rather than telling them what the external outcome is going to be. You're telling them that they can create their outcome there are a number of different directions that they can take, and you're the one who's going to coach them and guide them to those directions. But you're challenging and also providing some sense of anticipation towards them creating the outcome internally and thus having greater agency and ownership over what that outcome is, what that end result is to what they're challenged, versus it being dictated for them, it's completely external, and they have to go after and grab it and hold on to it, but it's not something that's come from them, right? Is Am I hearing you correctly there, right. Scott? Yeah, that's no, cool. that's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, because when it comes from you and you really have – so the first thing is the thought, the next thing is the yeah. feeling, right? And everything that we have, everything that we use started out as a thought inside of someone's imagination. The feeling was – I like this in some way, even if I'm nervous and I don't know how to do it. I really want this. So I'm going to get into action. I'm going to take those first mm. steps. And we love to use Thomas Edison and the Wright brothers, you know, and even like Elon Musk with Tesla and, and others to show, look, these were all ideas, right? This was an imaginative thing. And these people, Wright brothers, for example, did not know how exactly a plane was going to fly when they got the idea and the feeling they just started with what they did know and by doing that the next thing appeared the next thing appeared the next thing appeared so that ultimately by not quitting not turning around and saying we can't do this they made an airplane right but of course they only knew as much to get the airplane that they made well, that airplane isn't the airplane that we fly yeah, today, right, right? right? People then imagine more and more and more. And so they get that because they originally think, I can't do it because I don't know how, meaning I don't know all the steps. And so that's an excuse, and it allows them to stay inside of that comfort zone where they're not getting what they want, but they're used to it. Right. It's not a happy place. It's just a used to. Place. I might also suggest that they were surrounded by both their inner circle, their community, the country. I mean, the time in itself that what they were doing was completely insane. And they were told they were told from every direction that what they're trying to accomplish can't be done. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, totally. I mean, and, and that'll throw you right back into the comfort zone. You'll believe those Absolutely. words. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, in but if we can share with them, you know, look, you don't have to be Steve Jobs and create Apple. You don't have to be Thomas Edison and create the light bulb, right? You just have to think and create what's uniquely you. So 
and don't and, and move on. So it. to summon up that inner power in the space of working with your children, say through a physical movement, whether you're a mom teaching them a dance move or a dad teaching them a dance move or a dad teaching them a self-defense technique or how to, you know, how to, how to use an oil paintbrush. I mean, no matter what it is, but if you're doing something that involves the mental or the moving, what I'm hearing is it can, and if I, maybe I'll get a little bit more pragmatic here. If we're teaching a child to, when someone grabs the wrist, how to get a grown man to release their hand grip from the wrist. And what I'm hearing from you is it doesn't need to be an entire paradigm shift of the child's life. It can be something as simple to ha as to how you as the parent frame the expectation by saying, instead of do this and so that I let go of you. Rather, it's if you, if, if you do this, then what you'll be able to accomplish is your hand being free which are like two completely different yeah. things. And what I'm hearing from you is that you're suggesting, or, or no, you're not suggesting, you're telling, like give them the ownership of the outcome give, and then tell them what the opportunities in that outcome are going to be. And it's then it's going to be up to them to choose which one of those outcomes that they want and then they go for it and then they own it, right? We do a big disservice. Yeah, right. We do a big disservice to our kids by telling them what yeah. to do and, and and it doesn't and it doesn't have and to be something that's uh you know you don't have to go really deep with this it's, it can be very simple just like a just how you reframing a sentence right yeah absolutely cool. yeah and and it's really allowing them to explore but directed and in that direction like if we used your example of you know somebody letting go of your wrist we can tell them if we know right and we have to know or we have to find someone who does know that, you know, in my world, it would be that you got to find that pressure point between the thumb and the first finger. You got to push on it and you got to twist at the same time. And you got to turn them into an arm bar and hold them into that position. You know, we could do that, but we can't do that yeah. for them and have them actually be able to yes. do it. We also have to say to them, you're not going to be able to do it the first time or the second time or the third time. But every time you do it, you're doing it again with experience mm. and more experience and more experience so ultimately all that experience is going to add up to the point where you can be a master yeah. at it you can be good at it. you can be able to do it well that's with anything if you want to if you want to be an oil painter if you want to be a dancer if you want to be a, a you know whatever sport it might be it adds up the experience adds up so we get into talking about mistakes and failures as well so that they understand i have something called confidence life 360 where you can say, I want to do something. You don't have to know all the steps to it. Just know that you want it. Step out and do it. Get the experience. Maybe there's a success. Maybe there's a lesson. And then you take that back into you, right? And instead of getting all down on yourself, it, if you're calling it a failure or a mistake, you know, instead of getting down on yourself, you bring it back in as an experience. I just learned something. I either learned what to do or what not to do. I can now take that out. And as you evolve that out, your circle gets a little bit bigger because you're carrying something with yeah. you now. This experience is lesson. And then we keep doing that revolving thing, you know, and you get better and better and your world gets bigger and bigger and you become stronger and stronger inner superpower. That's super cool. That aligns pretty well with one of my previous guests, Jay Tiggs. We talked about the competence confidence loop and uh, it seems that there's some really good alignment there. Scott, what are some of the biggest obstacles that you have witnessed uh, in what we're talking about here with parents trying to shift the, um, shift the way or shift from the expectations that they have of their kids to stepping into pulling their, the, pulling their child's superpowers or inner superpowers out and ha giving, having the kids have greater agency and ownership over those choices and outcomes, where do we see slips? Where do we see uh, obstacles in the road and things that parents bump up against frequently? I want to take a quick break from this episode and share with you the work that we do over at Close Quarter Dad and invite you over to check it out and possibly, uh, if interested, join our community. If you're a father who has a interest in teaching their children how to stay safe, personal protection, loss prevention, meaning uh, how to keep your child found and how they can stay found in a wilderness setting, an urban environment, or even our worst case scenario is parents to even think about an abduction. 
as well as teaching your children their role in family unit safety. That's what we do over at Close Quarter Dad. And we do it through uh, different programs that we have in teaching and training and membership community. And you're welcome to uh, hop on over there, learn more about it, and hopefully join our community of men who are raising children to be more confident, resilient, and strong. Back to the episode. Well, to no fault of their own, the parents just don't know what to Mm. do. So they're really parenting with really great intentions and a want for their kids to be and feel and have certain things, which is, you know, a great life experience, be happy, be fulfilled, but they don't know how to help them do that because they were never taught. And so, I mean, it's a very simple thing. If you look at it, I can't show you what I don't know, right? I could know what I want, but if I don't know how to get there, if I don't know where to go look, or even worse, I'm not willing to. I want this, but I'm not doing anything different, right? I'm still yelling and screaming and telling you what to do, even though I want you to feel empowered, joyful, and fulfilled and happy. So we got, you you know, sending you this direction and I want you over here. But anyway, so I think that's the biggest issue for parents. And it's very frustrating for parents because they just aren't sure what to do. So what do they do? Well, one thing is society in themselves says, I might have a problem child. And then that problem child might need some help, but whether it be psychiatric or medicines or whatever, right? And now all of a sudden this kid is being treated from the outside in. So they're experiencing life from the outside in, right? Because there's there's the pressures, there's the bullying. I mean, I know for myself, Adam, I don't know how old you are, but for myself, then if you wanted to bully somebody and pressure them, you basically had to do it face to face, right? Or over the phone, (laughs) you know, like there wasn't wake up to it and go to sleep to it and experience it 24 seven. If you allow that. And a lot of kids allow that you have to allow that to happen, right? That's another thing is that they don't really get, they think it's happening to them. No, no, you're allowing it because you're looking at the feed, you're giving it energy, you're you're feeling a certain way about it, right? There are kids out there, people out there who get it, and they're like, that doesn't matter to me. I know who I am, and I know what I want to create. And then they find their tribe. They're no longer looking for all of that acceptance yeah. out there. Am I good enough? Did the people say I'm good enough? No, they get, what they do is they start getting um, support instead of approval. They get people who are up to big things. This is the mo- the movement I'm creating, right? Where no matter what you're up to, you have people who are supporting you. They're not like, oh, you should be doing that or you should be wearing that. They're like, what are you doing and how can I help your dreams come true? And that's a pretty cool I like cool that thing. support Did over I approval. I, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your point about the, um, you know, that difference in, in, in bullying where it's now, you know, it's, it's crowdsourcing critical mass. It's like, you know, a kid will walk into class with nothing wrong. By the time class is over, they walk into the hall and they got 700 kids laughing at them. It's just, uh, it's not a new thing by any means, but I'll share, you know, you said that's got to share a quick story where I don't know how old you are, but I remember one time, this is in high school, 52. 52. Okay. So we're pretty close. I'm a little bit younger than you, but, uh, you can identify with this. Um, I was, I had a problem with a kid and we were in, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and at the time I was going to an all-boys boarding school, and I'm not going to say how I ended up there because that's a different story. (laughs) Um, But this one boy, uh, he came from a very different background than I came from, and he thought it was okay to to, um, have fun with me because he wanted to get the attention of another group of kids. And I was sort of, uh, I was an outcast within that community of boys. And it got so bad that one of the monks who were, uh, it, was a, it was an all-boys Catholic school that was overseen by uh, priests and brothers. And it, instead of a disciplinary thing, and instead of like zero tolerance and you know, all that stuff, we, we were both pulled out of class by this one old monk. We were brought behind the ice rink where on the ground were two old pairs of leather boxing gloves. And we had to tight, he tightened the leather box and gloves up and 
he said, start, start punching each other. The only rule is that you can't hit each other in the face. And he and I started, this kid and I, and I was like, oh man, there is a God. Like, <laughs> like I, I just wanted, I wanted to get after <laughs> it on this kid so bad. And, um, you know, whatever the outcome was, what happened was the, the monk wanted to have a couple cigarettes and not be seen doing it. So he was having a couple smokes while we were doing this. But when we stopped, he said, no, no, I didn't say stop. Keep going. And we kept going until this, this other kid and I now had a common enemy. It was him. It was, it was that brother. Mm. And that kid and I, who I, you know, I, I, I wanted that, I, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to kick that kid's ass. And he wanted to use me as his, you know, his next rung on the ladder of popularity. And now we ended up, the wisdom of this monk created a bond between me and this boy. And it was, you know, I've really carried that lesson with me, Scott, for my life because cool. that would get, that, that school would get shut down today if that ever happened it would <laughs> yeah, be in the for news. Sure. uh it is com- yeah. like we look at that t- today as parents and we're like that's crazy but it makes good sense it makes good sense where there is uh you know nobody told and he didn't tell me what the solution was but um i'd like to step maybe into uh from that what are the differences now that you've seen and how has your work shifted from this model that we're talking about from the time that we came, say like the discipline and um, how a parent looked at the child and bringing forward those superpowers and giving them ownership and showing them being solution-based and, 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 and giving them those, uh, those methods to go beyond the circumstances and challenges from our time to now, maybe a message to some of the younger parents which I think is pretty, which is pretty interesting because your your Dax to the Max, your book is for three to seven year olds, so it is for younger parents. Now that I'm yeah. kind of talking this yeah. through, so let's let's step into that. Okay, well, I, the, when we go back to like the creation, when a kid is shown how to create what he wants in his life, to think about it and create, and one of the tactics, like I said, is the Play-Doh, uh, just as a model of it then they, you tend to have to do less disciplining because you're supporting them on their journey of what they want. You have to do directing. They're not, I mean, my kid's six. He doesn't make every decision that's great. However, he does know what he wants to do. He wants to be a performer and he wants to be in the halftime show. And we know that. And that's his goal. So he watches halftime shows to get ideas. He creates in his mind sets for that halftime show. And so he doesn't necessarily just go out and look because he's bored for, you know, whatever there is to do and sometimes go sideways. He's got a pretty directed mindset that he created. And all we can do now is support that. Now, here's where an issue might come up. What if, like myself, when I was growing up, I thought my son should be playing sports. He should be playing baseball and basketball and soccer. Well, here's the thing about Dax. He tried soccer and he had a good time, ran around a little bit. He played some basketball. Kids were a little older and taller, um, still had fun. Um, I don't think he touched the ball more than three times in a season, but let us know that he was the best player on the team because that's the way he saw it for himself. And we never said that's not true. We didn't put that down, right? Uh, If he saw that, that's great for his confidence. And then he decided basketball wasn't his thing. And when he saw the Super Bowl halftime show, all of a sudden that clicked for him. And so in that moment where I'm a sports person, you know, I I had a choice to make. Like, am I going to try to push my son into sports and create friction where there shouldn't be any friction? If i am really got my own eyes open, I'm awake to what's going on. And I can see the direction he wants to go, which is a good direction. And I can start supporting him Mm. on that. How can I best support him on that? And so I think that's the best thing. Allow your kids' imagination to flow. Allow them to kind of say at a young age what they would like to do, like what speaks to them, and then find ways to support them and go on that journey with them instead of trying to 
not only tell them where to go, but guide the entire journey and drag them along with you. A lot of parents do that. And as I look back into my own childhood, I, I, as he's doing this, I go, God, I think I would have liked to like perform. I would have liked to do some musical theater. I think I would have been good at that. But I didn't have that same experience with my dad, who, who was great. He coached our baseball team and stuff. I didn't have that same experience. And I didn't feel at any time I could say, hey, dad, I think I want to do musical theater, that he would be very accepting of that in any way because his own father wouldn't have been. But now That's you know, we yeah. broke the paradigm. We've crashed it. We've unlocked the chain because of what I do for a living and my own awareness. Dax is at the benefit. I obviously don't know it all, but he's at the benefit of having a dad and a mom who very much support his dreams and will guide him and help him realize them. And if he changes it, we'll talk about it and we'll guide and support that right? Because that's what we wanted him to do, create his own journey. And then I want to give him tools like I give to all kids that I train. When he hits the circumstances, when he hits the challenges that inevitably are going to come up, how he's not going to retreat back, how he's not going to, you know, have negative thoughts take over and stop or limit his dreams. But he's going to be able to go forward, because he's going to understand how from the inside out, he has the ability to shift his thoughts nothing on the outside has to change he actually can powerfully shift how he thinks he can shift his experience of it it doesn't have to be the way he automatically feels he can acknowledge that and then shift it to how he wants to feel about it so he can get moving again this, and it takes a little practice but it's a muscle a, a yeah. wonderful point here and there's a few things uh that i want to kind of step back into but what you're creating for us is a really um, refreshing template for helping kids to overcome fear. Uh, one of the main ways that I teach uh, facing and overcoming fear, and there's a couple of, this can be broken down um, based on the fear, it can be based on the circumstance, based on the, um, the course of action, it can be based on the age and gender too. Um, fear comes in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways is to have a father identify what that fear is, what the obstacle is, and the father invites the child into it, and the father himself goes through it to show that the child show the child that it is possible and or it is safe, and then coaches and guides the child through that fear life cycle, and then the child feels victorious and has exposure to that fear, and thus. Um, helps in the decision-making process for the next fear that they face, right? So that that's one example of exposure, exposure to fear. This is a big word in my community, is bringing children to the exposure of low levels of fear, but show them that, it's, that it can be overcome, giving them the reason to overcome that. But what I'm hearing from you is sort of a, a very different direction and a very refreshing direction, and that is to give them greater ownership over that through what the outcomes might be outcomes that, you know, maybe they're being very linear thinking. There's one bridge across this problem, but it's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> we could jump over here or there's rocks down here that we can cross by, or, Hey, look, yeah. there's a floating balloon going by and it's holding a rope down and we can float over it. So there's all sorts of different options and here's how you're going to approach each one of those options, but it's up to you to do it. Okay, so this is really interesting. I really love, and I think one of the gold nuggets that I would like every father to hear in this discussion is when you said exploring or supporting, or I'm going to say supporting because that was a word that you used, the support versus approval, which I love, but supporting the creative will eliminate, not eliminate, but will lessen the discipline, the need to discipline. The more creative the child becomes, the more you harness that, the more you allow them to bring that forward and to be creative in their own, rather than, you know, uh, you, you know, living vicariously through them. And because you, you know, made second string football and have had a narrative in your head that you should have been <laughs> first string your whole life and then you impose and project that on your kid. But instead, if you let them, if dance is what they want to do, then you completely go full on into that and you support them but you allow them to create that you don't dictate that for them that in itself yes. it makes perfect sense scott that what you're defining for us here is going to 
mean we are going to be less likely to have to discipline our kids. And I, this is gold. I love this. If we stop this episode right now, and I think if dads take that one thing and they move forward with it, the world could be a better place. The other thing I want to step into, Scott, is you, you, we, we kind of brushed on it, but you, you made a, a, a very valuable point when talking about parents not willing to do this. And you gave a couple of examples as to why they might not be willing. But I'd like you to maybe uh, open that up a little bit and unbox the lack of willingness when we were talking about the obstacles that you've witnessed in your work, parents bumping up against. Maybe they don't even realize it, but they're not willing to do that work. I'd like to hear what you think that the, is it naivete? Is it uh, cultural? Is it socioeconomic, demographic? Is it fear-based? Is it, I don't want to do this because I'm afraid my kid might do this at school and uh, like, what do you think the reason for that lack of willingness that you shared with us is? A very, very strong paradigm built in seemingly built in where they can't see it. They either can't see the access to it, like with the tools, or it sounds too woo-woo to them because it's always been a certain way. Um, you just do things and you just deal with it, right? And you, and then, you know, you just keep plugging away. And even if things are hard or frustrating, well, if, if you can't do it, then you're wimpy. Right. Or or something like that could be a very macho sort of attitude. And then there's the what you said, they're just not aware. Like, who's teaching this? The only reason I know this is, you know, 20 years ago, somebody said something and in that moment, for whatever reason, I was like, huh, I'm interested in that. And I started going down that path of personal development and learning as much as I could and never stopped, you know, of all different types of leaders and teachers and gurus, whatever you want to call them. But in the day-to-day busy life, who's yeah. doing that? Like not that many people, a small fraction of the people. So it makes sense that they don't have these tools to use to help their kids. So instead they're using what they have, getting what they're getting and having the experience that they're having and nothing ever changes. So it's one of the hardest parts of what I do is that we have to get through the parents, through the educators, through the teachers in order for them to see the benefits. Like the world has changed, people. You know, you don't have to teach the same ways you used to teach. And if kids who are more overwhelmed, more frustrated in this teen, tween age group than they ever have before and even younger, carrying more of a load for all the reasons that we said, the 24 access, 24-7 access to social media and how it's raining down on them and creating the pressures and then the school pressures. And here's a big thing, Adam, that I found because I did a lot of research and talked to a lot of kids. They don't know why they're doing it all. They're just in like robot automatic mode. No one's explaining to them what the purpose is. Why do I have to stress over all of these tests and these finals? Why at 16 or 17 am I trying so hard to get into this college when I have right, no freaking right. idea what I want to do with Man, my that's a life. whole different discussion, isn't but it? But it's so, <laughs> yeah, right. But it's, but, the, but it's so stressful. Yeah. It's so much and no like light at the end of the tunnel. They're just hoping, yeah. right. And hope has no plan to it. So this goes all the way back to like my kid and that young, where you start allowing them to create, use their imagination take steps towards what they want. And then they're always headed in a direction that they've chosen, which they have the feeling of excitement and fulfillment, sometimes nervousness, but that's because they're going out of their comfort zone and they're doing new things, but they're getting supported and they're finding others who will support them and mom and dad will support them. And we're going on this journey together. We're not fighting against each other where I think you should be doing this, but they want to do this, but they want to do this, which probably isn't that good for them because they never really created anything that they wanted to do. So they're floating out and see, and whoever comes and gets them and goes, hey, you guys, you should come over here with us. We're doing some drugs or come over here with us and we're skipping school or come over here with us. Studying is dumb or come over here because you have to wear these jeans and ride this e-bike. If you live in my neighborhood, that's how it <laughs> that is. Goes back anyway. to your, that goes back to your <laughs> so, support versus approval thing, right? 
Yeah. It yeah. does. But you can't get support if you're not doing up yeah. to anything. Yeah. You're just out looking for approval, but it's just never yeah. lasts. Things change too quick out there. So we you know, we want to show kids how they can create their direction, how they can create their path and not just follow this set one. Look, just just do what I say. Go to school, get your grades, take your finals, take this, go to college and just make it happen. And they're like, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they want to do uh, the my my main client, my ideal client is the kid who wants to be up to something but feels limited or stopped. If a if a kid unfortunately has gone you know far below that where they're you know suicidal, hurting themselves into gains, into drugs, probably not qualified for that they probably wouldn't and not even not qualified they probably wouldn't hear me there's steps to get to before they can hear me but the kids who are sort of on that razor's edge were in their minds they're like i really would love to be doing this like getting something like get fulfilled like be happy like have those results in my life i just don't know how and nobody's showing me i want to step in and turn on the light for them for them and for the parents the parents to be like Oh, so there's a kid that I teach. He's four. He's 13, just turned 13. His mom is doing the power quest with him. She wants the light to turn on for herself as well. So she can support her, her child, but also get some things that she wants. She wants to sing karaoke. She's never done it. Fear has always overtaken excuses, reasons. We turned on the light for her. She's going to go sing some karaoke now. That's a big deal yeah, for absolutely. her. That opens up the door to a lot of other things. Yeah, you know, we're talking about this willingness thing, and I was kind of really thinking back on the the willingness also lacks the, uh, the really lacks the connection of as you said when we were talking about the support and approval and finding the tribe. That finding the tribe thing is important because when we go back to before when you were talking about the lack of a willingness of a parent when we were discussing the obstacles a lot of that lack of willingness comes from the fact that they're lone wolfing it that they're going that they think that they should be going it alone and they're not looking outside for more inspiration more more support to use your word and yes. and this is important for the kids right once they that they that you can get approval and still be a lone wolf but you can't get you can't be supported and be a lone wolf you can only thrive in that community and so therefore, what I'm hearing in this client is that it's really important that she recognize and ha through her willingness that she can't go it alone and she needs that she needs, you know, a tribe. She needs to build her, you know, her sort of round table of, uh, of warriors for her work as a parent and her her consultants and coaches and, and, and professionals like yourself, Scott, to help her. And then so many other things are going to come out of that. I think that's uh, that's really interesting and powerful. Let's um, let's with the time we have, I'd like to hear a bit about your book, Dax to the Max, and how this is a uh, transformative work that you've created for parents and uh, what it's going to mean for their children. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dax to the Max, and it says Book One: Imagination, which means I've set myself up for future. Yeah, books. by the way, best uh, <laughs> and congratulations on bestseller on that. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Amazon bestseller won a great reads, um, award, um, recently. And, um, as we spoke earlier, um, before the, we recorded, it was, it's going kidlit TV, which, um, talk about becoming aware, uh, unless I had gone down the path of becoming a, a children's author, um, I would have never known about so many of the things that I know now and had access to so many of the things I have access yeah. to. Um, which is, you know, the previous teaching about you don't have to know everything about everything in order to get started. You just have to get started because it's my first book, never written one before, always kind of in the back of my mind thought I should. But guess what? I saw myself as not a children's author until I did see myself as a children's author through my own training and meditation. I just went, you know what? I'll be a children's author. Let's go write a book. And I did. And very lucky for me, I have this six-year-old son who I could use as a model uh, for the book. And um, I used to be in a, an intensive 
year-long training program. And Dax used to go on on Sundays and teach on the Facebook group live. He would go teach about paradigms. He'd go teach about how you don't have to see um, a house that's around the corner for the house to actually still be there. You know, and it was it was amazing. So um, I love how he's going through this and I want to show him his own inner superpowers. And by doing that, you get to show it to lots and lots of other kids and parents. And so we had said fear is a big one. Fear is the biggest thing for kids. It's the biggest thing for really anybody. And fear can win. Like you could actually want to do something. Fear could come in. Fear comes in from how you think it's going to end up from you not even starting. And that could come from a past experience. It could come from something somebody said to you. You know, one of the mistakes parents make just unknowingly and not on purpose is we're always saying, be careful. Like the world is so scary, right? But unless, you know, they, they're really like in a perilous situation, we oftentimes, even though it's hard for us, have to allow them to try. Right. Allowing is a is a big thing in parenting. You have to allow your kids to be who they are. And that might include doing some things to get past fear. Right. Because they never saw the fear. They're just doing it. Right. Climbing on whatever or, or doing this thing. And we go, oh, my gosh, be careful. Well, that's our own paradigm experience. We just threw on them. And all of a sudden they're going, wait, yeah, is there danger sure. here? Yeah. And so we have to be careful about that. But anyway, the book takes um, Dax first just training to use his imagination by looking at the clouds and being told by Lauren, who, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked, who is Lauren? Because she's a 16-year-old girl that's walking around with them. She could be the babysitter. She's actually our, our neighbor that lives across the street. But in the deeper version of this, Lauren doesn't mm -hmm. even exist. Lauren is just Dax's inner voice. It's going, hey, look at the clouds. Use your imagination. What can you create? And then a message comes in. The message is in his head, right? It shows up in the clouds, but it's in his head. It says, go to this thing where you're going to encounter fear. What happens to be a cave? I use the cave because one of my favorite sayings is the cave you fear to enter holds the jewels that you seek, right? That's getting past the fear. So we get the cave and the fear shows up in, in a bear, right? And the bear is sleeping. No fear exists. Nothing is happening except Dax decides there's something to be afraid of in that moment. So he screams, I'm so scared. Well, guess what happens? You've awakened the fear. The fear becomes stronger and stronger the more energy and attention you give to fear. So Lauren, the inner voice, says, Dax, use your imagination in a different way. You can actually use your imagination to change your experience of what the fear is, what's in front of you. Make it fun, make it exciting, make it interesting. Just don't make it scared. Don't keep thinking, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Think of another thing. Look at it from another view. And as he does, frankly, the bear, the fear changes into something fun, a friend, a pal, something he can use to move him forward. And then frankly, no longer the fear, something he's gotten past, illuminates on the wall the next message because there's something more available once you've gotten past that fear. You can now do something you couldn't have done if you ran away from the fear. And so the next message leads him on to his next quest, the next adventure, the next journey, the thing he can now do because he got past this one and, and earned his first inner superpower, the power of imagination. Scott, let me ask you a question here. That's pretty fascinating. What did you take away from this book that you can say when it was done and published, you know, outside of like fulfillment and, you know, what, whatever, the publishing and all the, all the ISBNs and all, but like what, what is something that you in your heart you took away that you didn't have before from this process of creating this? Well, I did it for one, right? I did it. Like I actually can hold a book. I can actually go on Amazon and see my name in my book. And, you know, for me, and I use it in my teaching, it's just a perfect example of how you can take an idea and make it something that you can share with people have it for yourself but this so easily could have just stayed an idea it could have just been like i should write a book i should write a book called that's to the max i should write a book that teaches kids about imagination over fear and never do it because out of so many and i mean i'm saying so many not exaggerating people have come to me and said 
oh, I've always wanted to write a children's book. Oh, you should do it. Oh, yeah, but all the blah, blah, blah excuses come up right away for them. They've been practicing and rehearsing them for as long as you can remember. They got them ready to go. And it's because it would take them so far out yeah. of their comfort zone. So they, they have their protection in place so they don't actually have to do it. Well, I did it. And that's that's what I take out of it. And, and in inside of the book, because I did it, because I got past any fear, any paradigms, anything that said you're not an author, you don't know how to do this, people aren't going to like your book, all of that kind of stuff, because I went past it like Dax went past his fear in the book, Fregley, right? Now there's new things available to me. There's the Kidlet TV Producers have approached me. Um, I've written a, a pilot and a series arc. Um, we're signing a shopping agreement with this production company so they can go shop it. Um, they're going to teach me and show me how to write um, the pitch deck and um, all of that. Not available. No chance. And I never even saw it. Even when I did decide to write the book and I went for it, I never saw that. Like, you don't need to see everything. Yeah, you went but. Just get going. You went behind your. You went beyond your own circumstances and challenges, and uh, so too uh, came all of these, like you said, you know, those treasures and those opportunities that you didn't even know existed beforehand. Scott, I have um, two remaining questions here, um, and and I want to be sensitive okay. of your time. Um, the first is, you know, you have a number of different programs uh, in Minds and Motion. I'm wondering if you could uh, briefly just give us a give us a detail of what they are and who they're for and, uh, and, and what benefits they're going to bring to the lives of, uh, of people. Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity to do that. So I have an entertainment background. I've owned a, a kid's party company, uh, for the last 25 years here in San Diego and everything that was inside of that, I created all the games, how you do them, which includes an interactive DJ company. So I have a lot of experience in entertainment for this age group. So I knew that I had to take all of my sort of behind the scenes training and learning and studying and then basically volunteer coaching that I had done over, over the last many years. And if I was going to bring this where I saw this need for kids to really understand how to have inner superpowers, how not to be at the effect of the world, which seems so hard, but be able to go cause the world that they wanted, I knew for them to hear it, it couldn't occur like school. For them or for the parents, they have enough to do, they have enough classes, they have enough study. It needed to occur like, like a fun, engaging, interactive experience. So when I first started the Minds in Motion thing, I thought I was changing careers. I thought I was going from running this party company to now running this personal development life skills program for kids. But it was shown to me because I didn't see it by someone who had been a trainer for Tony Robbins, Robbins for a number of years, that I was really just joining two worlds. I had two worlds. I'm not going to throw away this 25 years of this valuable asset, this thing that most people don't have of knowing how to entertain to go be this teacher like it, like anybody else could be. My unique selling proposition and why people were going to go to me is because it was going, I understand kids, I understand entertainment, and I know the growth mindset, personal development. Let's mesh the two together. That's how a power party evolved. So we turn on the music. We have what's called a power box with all of our props, our gliders and our Play-Doh and our kinetic sand, which teaches them everything from imagination to neural pathways. But if I just go, so you have some neural pathways in there and what you think about most digs the deepest and that's the ones you go to. Yeah, right. But instead I give them some kinetic sand to play with and they get the big little neural pathways, trails and stuff like that to keep their attention and make it fun because everybody loves kinetic sand. Everybody loves Play-Doh. And if we're flying gliders, but we're flying it with one wing or without the nose guard, we can see how that glider doesn't fly as well. Well, that's our, our autopilot or our subconscious mind, that programming that's already there saying, don't fly, don't take off, don't go to Hawaii, it's too scary, it's more comfortable and safer here. That's flying without that wing if you even get to take off at all. But when we put the whole thing together because we've reprogrammed, we now hear that voice and we understand that voice is us. We can change that voice. We can start having it say what we want it to say. And we talk about what would your best friend say? What would you want your best friend to say? Well, make that voice your best friend. 
right? And so when we use all of this type of stuff, we get the kids engaged. They hear it. They can't unhear it. So now they can use it. Like I said, they can choose to use it. And they also understand that they don't have to. They just have more freedom now. And that's the inner superpower. So the power party is usually two, three, up to six hours. Could have lunch involved, playing music, having them do all this interactive stuff while they're learning and seeing um, these new tools that they can use. And a power quest is done both virtual and live. So I've done it in Australia. Um, someone in Eastern Europe is now contacting for one, um, East Coast where you are, and even here at home on the West Coast. Um, so that's over like a six-week period of time. It's an hour a week. We have a call. I take them through the slide presentation. If it's this is one on one, it's not. And group. it basically each. Oh, it's okay. both. It's both. I did a, the group in Australia. One thing I did find, uh, I am finding difficult. And I'm still trying to navigate it. Um, is that in this age group, I wanted to do open format ones where I set the six week dates and you could come in and sign up for it. But it's, I think it's a little bit confronting for the age group because. They're not necessarily wanting to share with other kids and strangers they don't know. So I haven't quite figured that out. So everything has been private um, for the most part. The Australia one, except they kind of knew each other. The parents did anyway. So it's been private, individual or group. Um, but I do want to create that movement where I can bring mm -hmm. kids together and have them kind of see that this is a big benefit. They have to get past their own thought of, Am I going to be approved of and understand this is a supportive environment? This is where they want to be. So I'm working on that. And one of the parts of the business model in the next couple of months is to record the keys to unlocking your inner superpowers. You can do it yourself and then join once a week on live calls and meet other people who are doing the kind of do it yourself program at your own pace. Ask your questions, hear what others are doing. So we're going to evolve into that in the next couple of months as well as another leg of Wonderful. this. Wonderful. Got a lot going on, Scott. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what evolves here. Um, last question I have. This brings us to the end of the episode. Um, but this is an important question that I like to ask all of uh, all of the guests. Scott, if you were to go back <clears throat> when you were a new dad, and it is the moment when you just became. Uh, father and you just looked at your child and you're you know in the hospital and the feeling that we all went through of this massive responsibility this massive like for the rest of my life things have changed and I need to be the protector and the guide and all these <clears throat> all these things that we as men go through in that moment if you could take a step back and put your arm around that young man when that happened and you had a piece of advice you only had a moment to spend with him but there was something that you wanted to say to him what would that be uh, what a great question well for me that was only okay. six years ago so it's, you know super long ago and um and so you know for me on one side of it it's um i feel very good about how things have gone but it's because of my training and what i've done um but I, you know, I think the most important thing is I would want him to know that he can be calm. Mm -hmm. He can live life calm. And that doesn't mean you're not energetic or excited or having fun. But internally, you're just calm. You feel like all is okay. All will always be okay. Sometimes it may not feel that way. But it is, and it will be. And that way, I think that, you know, if I whispered that in his ear, and that was something that kind of grew, you know, less anxiety, if any, less fear, just knowing I'm calm, right? One of my favorite sayings was, um, you know, we don't need to um, slow down. We need to calm down. And I would want him to know, go hard, go fast, son. Do what you want. Go get it. Break barriers. Be calm. Have fun. Enjoy the experience of it all. Right on, man. That is powerful. That is huge. And uh, that's a, I think that's a message that all of us, every father, every man, we need to hear, regardless of our age, regardless of where we are in our parenting journey, is the importance of uh, it'll work out and just stay calm. 
Yeah. So uh, thank you for reminding us of that, Scott. I appreciate it. Once again, I just want to thank you for the work that you do, uh, the work that you're going to be doing. I'm looking forward to seeing the future of, uh, of this, of uh, Minds End Motion and the power parties, the quests, the speaking, and all the other work that you do. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the next books, and hopefully we'll have you back on uh, on the show, and we'll talk about the next book and the next journey of your Love work. It. So thank you so much, Scott Feld, for joining us on this episode of Close Quarter Dad. I want to thank you for spending time with us on this episode today. It's truly appreciated. I hope you got some value from it. If you want to go ahead and leave any comments or questions, reach out to me directly. I personally answer all of the questions that you have. If you know someone like yourself who may find value in this episode, then please go ahead and share it. We'd also like to ask you to subscribe to Close Quarter Dad. This way you get updated every time a new episode comes out wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you so much once again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Close Quarter Dad.